Hello and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove. I can prove it. I've got ID. And I'm joined by a man who suffered through the US's 2-1 win <laughs> over Spain today. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello, Era Penal. Era Penal. Mm. <laughs> I watched an si. Espanol, actually, so I did get Penal, Penal, Penal. I watched the second half in yeah. Espanol. Good call, Daryl. Good <laughs> oh, call. Did I persuade you? You did. <laughs> Let's not get into the reasons why we did that, because we'll, be, no? we'll be insulting some very well-known people if we, if we do mention that. See, si. Do you agree that this game was kind of, um, like, it was, it was a hard thing to watch it? Yes, I do. I mean, yeah. and, and not because like they were both terrible teams or anything like that. No, it no, was, no. It I'm was... talking more as a as a US fan. Yes. For me, it was hard to watch. I just, I just assumed it was the same for you. I think it was hard to watch because obviously it was a tight game for yeah. a very long time. Nerves, right? Uh, yeah. Nerves. Yeah. But then also, I think the United States really struggled to get into kind of consistent rhythms and patterns of play. And so, especially in the first half, it was a lot well, more long ball than I think we expected. That is a pattern of play. It's okay. just not a very pretty pattern. There of play. it is. That's a better way to put it. And <laughs> and it's and it's a. Uh, and even an okay pattern of play if it's working, but when it's like yeah. what you're looking for, regardless of whether or not it's working, uh-huh. it becomes a little bit uglier. And then on top of that, a lot of the fouling, a lot of the off the ball fouling that we couldn't quite see on the screen, yeah. uh, that definitely didn't help it uh, help ease my nerves or my concerns about the way the game was going to finish up. But in the end, it finished up okay. Okay, so shall we talk about, uh, before we get into the goals, there's sure. three goals to talk about, two wonderful penalties mm-hmm. from Megan Rapino. I know from reading, because we didn't watch this together, but I read your tweets. Yeah. Big fan of the penalties, Taylor Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that and how they were won, mm-hmm. um, how the pens were scored and how we got them. Yes. Um, but let's talk about the tactical shape of the game okay. because this is not what I expected at all. I think nope. in our preview, I was kind of like, all right, Spain are this possession team, but the US can essentially outpossess them mm-hmm. and we'll just be with the team with the ball. We'll build through midfield and we'll get in behind them. And if we lose it, we'll counterpress and we'll win it back. And instead, as you mentioned, a lot of long balls, right? It was a lot mm-hmm. of the US going very direct from the back and hitting... Essentially, the front three, right? Is it fair to say the front three was spread wide? Rapino yes. wide left, Heath wide right, Morgan kind of alone in the middle, mm-hmm. and then it was just balls banged into one of the three of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah it was. And, and I found myself... Weird, right? Definitely. And I found myself, like, after the first 10 minutes when it's one-to-one, thinking back on our, like, preview of this game. And I think me more so than you, I believe, was a little bit dismissive of this game. I was definitely looking towards... Like, we'll beat Spain easy... Well, just more so like looking looking ahead to that France game yeah. and sort of not saying like, you know, oh, Spain are garbage, but sort of expecting the United States to win. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, part of that has been informed by trying to be cautiously optimistic in the group stage <laughs> and being like, all right, well, it's been fine every time. So I think this is the one time where I was sort of like, it should be okay though, right? Yeah. But I think... And so watching this game for that first half, I was thinking like, did we just completely underestimate Spain? Were we totally wrong? Did, did we do... We the US or we the total suction? We, you and me. Okay. Sort of, and, and the answer is, like, I don't think we did. Maybe things can be two things in that maybe we were excited about the U.S. or I was excited about the U.S. and looking towards France. But I think also some of the stuff we talked about in that preview, like we expected the United States to go out and be physically dominant and kind of go at them the way we've seen them do in the group stage. And it did feel like the United States maybe tried to do that and lost the physical battle a little yeah. bit. And that was the first time that it happened that I think it was kind of a jarring experience. But let's talk about the physical battle then, because the big one that I noticed mm-hmm. was Alex Morgan versus the two Spanish centre-backs. Yep. So number four, Paredes, the mm-hmm. captain, I think is the most obvious one. I forgot, is it Leon is the number 16, the other centre-back for Spain? That sounds likely. That sounds likely. Alex Morgan got beat up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I mean, you see her getting kicked, you see her getting knocked over in the first, what, three minutes she's over twice, I yes, think it is. definitely, Paredes, yeah. Yeah, and then there's a couple off the ball, she's down on the ground and gets treatment, that's when Spain ended up making their sub, but then she's, I think, down on the ground earlier and needed a moment to kind of collect herself, and it's all indicative of what Spain were doing, which is, I think, always making sure to put a body on her, to give her a knock every time she received the ball, and... 
And it wasn't always a bad foul. It wasn't always a kick or a stud or an elbow or anything like that. Sometimes it was. It was like a a challenge for a header, Mm -hmm. but then a little hard in her back, right? Maybe a knee in the back or maybe like clattering through her afterwards. Even like the stuff that that I think really stands out because it is the stuff that really starts to take a toll on you is like if you're battling in that moment, like that adrenaline is so high that if you're going back and forth, you kind of don't feel it. It kind of doesn't matter. Where you do feel it is when you're trying to do the hold-up play that we saw her try to do. And if you... Yeah, because she would come deep and maybe try and flick it on right? yeah. yeah so there's that but then all and would take a hit and it would be that sort of they're both challenging for the ball she'd get knocked in the air but the one even that I'm talking about is when she would drop in and get the ball and then say you're the person I'm playing the ball to 10 yards away when she would play it then she would get a little knock, just a little shove, just a little just bump. After the ball but it's enough that yeah. it's going to be like, even that I don't get a call for. And that's what you started to see was she a lot of right? like, I saw her um, mm-hmm. doing finger signs at the ref of like, that's two, that's three, that's four. That's yeah. how many times I've been hit. We Here's, saw her counting goals in the first game. Not yeah. really counting goals this time, counting but more fouls. so counting fouls. Yeah, Counting bruises mm-hmm. um, in this game. Here's the smart thing that um, I've pulled up the team. It's Paredes sure. and, and Leon. Mm-hmm. Um, the smart thing that they did in fouling Alex Morgan is they never did it in a dangerous position, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to knock her over like just outside the penalty area where you risk the US having a free kick. They're knocking her over more towards the halfway line yeah. where it's really not a dangerous area for the US to be taking a free kick. So I think it's worth saying this was a very smart game plan from Spain. I mean, I, cynical but smart, yeah. And I think maybe the way, the way we underestimated Spain is we talked about them as this possession-heavy style that were really like technically good and mm-hmm. Jennifer Amoso can move the ball and hold on to it, but they're not very good at creating chances. I still think that was true because the only chance came from the, the turnover. They mm-hmm. never actually created a really good goal-scoring opportunity outside of that. What we didn't think about is how physical Spain could yeah. be. I think I, specifically me, I don't know about you, but I massively underestimated what a physical battle they could give the United States. Yes, I, I, I think... I did that, but I think I also then added on a little bit of like, but it's the United States. And I had this. And we're tough, and Juliet's will knock you over. And we're also the best team in the world, if not, right. or, or one of the best teams, yeah, if you want to yeah. go that route. But it was a weird moment, if you'll forgive me. There was a weird moment in, like, I always the, forgive you. in like the 20th minute where I had this flash of like, it's the thing that when we root for the like the U.S. women in major tournaments and Olympics and whatever, like we always cheer for them. But it's that weird moment of like, oh right, like they are the Brazil Germany of the women's game, and I like I know that. But I don't really think about it until these moments against Spain where, like, I had flashbacks to, like, 2002 World Cup uh, with the U.S. men beating Portugal and flipping that around and being like, that's what people in Spain are doing right now is, like, (laughs) watching their team be like, please hold on. Don't let her shoot. Like, and and when you see it from that perspective, like, like, it does feel like the United States is this just unstoppable juggernaut. But if you're that Spanish player and you sort of weather the first couple minutes, not that they did because it's a penalty pretty quickly, but (laughs) when you get through that and it sort of becomes – it's just another team – I think some of that like psychological factor goes out the window, and then it's a bit more like, oh, they're just going to kick it long to this forward. Well, we'll knock her to the ground, and we'll win yeah. the ball. And then they become a little bit less intimidating. And I do think also some of the like terror that the United States brings to defense, I think, fell off very quickly, especially in the first half. Can we talk about maybe – because I said that the U.S. were just going long to Rapino, Heath, mm-hmm. and Morgan. They were doing that, but yep. I want to think about maybe – why they were doing that. My guess is that the idea was either this like direct ball will play Rapino in behind on the wing, will play Heath in behind on the wing, will go direct to Morgan and she can hold it up and lay it off to some of those, maybe Mm -hmm. the attacking midfielders coming through. Um, And then I think the plan was, or if we lose the ball, if we lose that challenge, we'll win the second challenge. And essentially we'll be able to go long, maybe not win the ball, but then counter press. And then we've still got the ball possessed high Mm -hmm. and we haven't had to slowly move the ball through midfield. We've just got up there really quickly already. And I think where it fell down was 
we didn't account for just how much fight Spain were going to have mm-hmm. in terms of winning that second ball. Exactly. Does that yes. feel right to you? It, it does, because you look at the stats for both Megan Rapino and Tobin Heath, did not do well in their take-ons, did not yeah. do well in their touches even, in the number of touches, but also certainly in their aerial challenges, aerial we did, duels. And we did se- we were semi-successful in the first half in getting Rapino and Heath one-on-one yeah. versus fullbacks, and most often the fullbacks would come out on top, right? Mm-hmm. They would either double team or they would just not bite on the moves that Rapino and Heath were giving. I mean, apart from when Heath wins the penalty, yeah. obviously, which we'll get to, I think, after we've had the tactical conversation, sure. we'll get to the specifics of the goals. Yes, but I, but I think I still... And I, t- I tweeted about this that I, it felt like the United States once they were like got into a more attacking possession, like like having possession in um, in Spain's like defensive half. Yeah. Then it felt like what they would do is send those wide players wide, as you do. Rapino and Heath. Yeah. So you'd send Rapino and Heath wide. You keep Alex Morgan up top. You push the fullbacks wide, but also forward. And I think the idea was like, yeah, to your point, if you go long and diagonal, then you've got the fullback there who can maybe pick up that 50-50 ball. Yeah, yeah. I think you send. So Rapino loses it. Dunn wins the second ball, and we're away. I think that's yeah. the idea. And then you have those two like more attacking central midfielders. Uh, so it'd be Lavelle and Mewis? You got it. Yep. Yeah. They would also, I think... I know go, you know I'm just helping listeners. Oh, no, I'm yeah. with you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, they go forward to, I think, kind of provide the support for the 50-50 ball after Alex Morgan. Yes. But I think then, suddenly, you've got lots of space and the players are spread, but it's much more difficult true, to combine. Yeah. And it did feel like their solution to that, or maybe the game plan coming in, was, well, then just give the ball to Rose Lavelle. And Rose Lavelle, <laughs> and I kind of don't mean that jokingly either, that I think she has the ability on the ball to pull in two defenders, get by them, and then find a teammate who's open. But that's not a game plan. That's yeah. playing it to your best player with the ball at her feet and asking her to do something. And honestly, I saw no that. No disrespect to Tobin Heath, by the way. I saw that as well. And mm-hmm. there were maybe, what, three or four moments yeah. where Lavelle really did break the game open the yeah. best example is probably the like slalomy dribble mm-hmm. where she's not only beating people she's also repositioning Spanish defenders by the way she moves and then she plays that perfect through ball for Megan Rapino, who honestly her first time shot is kind of a little weaker than we expect from Rapino and straight at the keeper and it's saved that would have been maybe the goal of the tournament yeah. if, if that had come off but those are moments of magic that you cannot rely on mm-hmm. and I, I agree with you I'm going to repeat it because you said it and I want to make sure people hear it that because we were going for these like direct balls out to the channels we're spread so far out that then there's, we're not close enough to combine with short passes building out of the back Yes, so it almost has to be those direct balls because the short passes weren't on exactly yeah. yes and, and but then once you get into that sort of flow of look long look direct go for it as quickly as you can and I do think that was also part of the game which it maybe explains the United States conceding I think that once you're in this get the ball forward as fast as you can as quickly as you can it's really difficult to then also have a moment of like okay but now that we've gotten it forward we're going to slow it down and we're going to possess and we're going to move the ball yeah, around it's hard to switch gears when the United States did that I felt like you did see them start to pull Spain out a little bit more and make Spain more uncomfortable yeah. but I felt like those moments were few and far between as emphasized by I believe I'm the correct. occasional one too that I got really excited about yeah. but then it would not happen again for another few minutes no beca- because even then it ended up in in my opinion mostly shots from distance or low percentage shots because yep. you still have that mentality of when you get an opportunity take that opportunity oh, I see what you're saying. but so instead of continuing those one twos into the box and either getting a shot off from closer or from a better angle or maybe drawing another penalty it's I'm just going to wind up and have a go from 25 yeah. yards out Okay, before we talk about the goals, I want to ask, this approach that we've just described from the United States, which is to go much more direct than we expected, Mm -hmm. um, were you disappointed in that? Or do you see that as, yeah, it's fine to pass your way through Thailand and Chile, but maybe when you play Spain, you have to have a more pragmatic, like less pretty, but more effective game plan? Yeah. 
I, I was, I'm not saying that those are the two binary choices, right? That, that it may be like a third choice that I haven't described. I was not. I was not disappointed with the first half. I thought the first okay. half was like they came out. Even on rewatch? Well, they came out with an. I, I guess it's, let me put it this way: it's easy with hindsight to be like they should have done this. This didn't work. Yeah, this yeah. obviously, at the time, it felt like okay, they're trying some stuff. This isn't working. Okay, maybe they tried that. That didn't necessarily work. But it it still felt like they were trying to do. A couple of different consistent things, and I guess the reason why I say that it's more the first half I'm okay with is because that's the first half. Like yeah. you, you've come out with a game plan, you've conceded. I would say a very fluky goal. Aside from that, I don't think Spain looked particularly threatening. They had some counterattacks. They put some pressure on. Yeah, where I got frustrated and where I did feel like maybe the United States didn't do enough was in the second half, specifically in the first maybe 15 to 20 minutes of the second okay. half because and that's where I expected some changes to have been made. And I think there is an argument that the U.S. scores, what, in the first five, six minutes mm-hmm. from a direct ball. This so the true. plan actually works in the first few minutes. And that's to me, that's maybe enough evidence and motivation to keep doing that yep. for the rest of the half. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. Towards the end of the half is where we're realizing – uh, this isn't quite working. Yeah. So maybe it should have been switched up at the start of the second half, and it wasn't, it right? Was not. It did change later on. I feel like we slowed it down a little bit later on. Maybe we'll get to that when we get into talking about the uh, the US's second goal. Sure. All right. Whenever you want, my friend. Okay. Do you want to talk about the goals now? Sure. All right. So the first goal, mm. it's a penalty kick yep. uh, scored by Megan Rapino, As you mentioned, won by Tobin Heath after a long direct ball out of the back from Abby Dalcamper. Yes. This is a thing that we knew Dalcamper was capable of mm-hmm. and it's a thing the US was trying because we knew, wasn't this like the third big direct ball that Dalcamper big diagonal that Dalcamper played one to each of the front three. One yep. to each of the front three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one finds Tobin Heath uh, and and it and it did feel like this is what the United States was aiming for was have a few combinations pull Spain forward a little bit and I do think Spain were more forward than at least we thought they would be. I think than yeah, the yeah. United States thought they would be. Yeah. Um, and so when they did kind of evade a little bit of that initial pressure from Spain I think that's why Abby Dahlkemper is able to find Tobin Heath. Because there's space in behind. Yeah, right? yeah, in an advantageous position. But then it's also very much Tobin Heath who makes this. Because a long ball over the top is a long ball over the top. It still requires the it's, runner to control and do something with it. It's a perfect big diagonal mm-hmm. from Abby Dahlkemper. But I feel like we've come to expect this from her so yep. much that it's unremarkable. Yeah. Is that fair? I mean, I still, every time I see her play that ball, I'm just like, that is insanely accurate. Yeah. But, I, so I, I still very much enjoy it and find... Oh, yeah, I don't not enjoy it. It's more like I'm just not surprised by it. I don't okay. marvel at it because I'm yeah. just like, yeah, that's what she does. Yeah, you're right. So I don't necessarily <laughs> marvel at the ball, but in this case, I did marvel at the touch of Tobin Heath because... Yes, it that's is, what we should focus on, right? Because that's the magic yeah. moment in this goal. First touch out of the air with the instep while if not holding off a defender, then contesting a defender for it. Yeah. But that first touch taking you... Like almost at a cut angle into the box, but also past the defender in the same motion. The defender being Uhabi, the, yeah. the left back, yeah, and losing no momentum is the key part of this, yeah. right? Because there are there are lesser players mm-hmm. who would see this giant ball coming to them, and their only thought would be, "I've got to bring that down." Yeah, and they bring it down by essentially being stationary and cushioning it, and then okay, once I've got it on the floor, then I'll figure out what I'm going to do next. Yep. Tobinia decides I'm going to take this out of the air and beat the left back with one touch. Yep. And she does. I mean, and, and and that then I think makes Spain scramble. And to continue the sort of analogy of like the the dominant sides of the men's game that like we've talked about many times about how like Man City, if you give them one moment, one little slip up, that's all they need to punish you. Yeah. And that's kind of what this felt like here is like Spain gave Tobin Heath that one extra second of like not being fouled and knocked yeah. off the ball. You left a 1v2 instead of 1v3. Exactly. But then but then when she but like <laughs> not even joking. But that first touch, though, also because she is able to get that first touch cleanly. 
finally, without much hassling, without a little bit of a shove, then it suddenly puts her in a very dangerous position for Spain, and then you have to have people fly over to try to make a play. Yeah. And if you're out of control just trying to make sure that you slow something down, you might make a mistake, and that's exactly what happens. That's what Leon, the number yep. 16, the left centre-back, mm-hmm. does. I think he kind of cuts. It's not a perfect cut. It's not. Uh, but as she cuts inside, Leon just comes in, I think. It doesn't need to be fa- when you're making the defense scramble. That's true, yeah, because mm. she's scrambling. She's too fast. She's too late. Yep. And she clips Tobin, Tobin Heath. Heath goes down. It's absolutely a penalty kick, yep. right? There's no there's no, no reason for us even to debate it. No, not Fair. at all. Okay. Not at all. And Let, then it's a wonderful, wonderful take yes. from Megan Rapinoe. Let me, so let's think about this. Why? I remember you tweeting about this. Mm-hmm. What do you like so much about this Megan Rapinoe penalty? And I guess this also goes for a second penalty, but let's focus on the first one. Sure. First. I mean, it's technically speaking, it is a perfectly hit penalty in my mind. It's low, on the ground, to the corner. It, it ends up, if not inside netting, then very close to it yeah. with power behind it. And it's in a difficult, really difficult position for a goalkeeper to get to begin with. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. You basically just said, make a decision and hit it really hard. More uh, or less, right? Not even really hard because sometimes you okay. can overhit it. But yes, but yes. Like, and that's what she did. But the reason why I tweeted that in that moment is because if you go back and watch Spain's goalkeeper, whose name I don't have in front of me, I apologize, uh, she is playing head games. She is dancing around a little bit. Everyone knows it's Peñas. Come Thank on. Thank you. And Peñas... I definitely didn't just pull up the lineup to tell I, you that. I had a feeling you might have. And Peñas... <laughs> Slides over to the to her right to where Rapino takes that like the direction she's hitting it, and if I think Rapino is trying to evaluate what to do and play head games in that moment, that's exactly what she like the goalkeeper wants her to do. Is oh no, oh to say I'm going this side, maybe you should think about going the other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And instead, I think Megan Rapino just head down hits it where she knows she's going to hit it and doesn't pay attention to what the goalkeeper is doing, which I don't think you should do on a penalty. So is it just about the confidence of if I know that I'm going to hit it in the corner low and hard maybe is mm-hmm. the wrong word but low and accurate and fast yeah um then even if the keeper knows where i'm going the keeper can't get there yes I, is I, that I, part of what this is about? i think that's definitely a, a huge part of it but then i think as with all penalties like like there's the psychological aspect psychology comes into it and it can come into it in the form of like paul pogba who does the slow approach and stares at the goalkeeper and tries to see what's happening yeah that's head games but i feel like once you're playing head games you're in, you're into it whereas i think megan rapino <laughs> i guess what i mean is more so she decides this is where i feel the most comfortable and that's what i think if you're yeah. taking a penalty if you feel the most comfortable hitting it back across your body with some power then that's where you should hit it if you felt if she felt most comfortable hitting it to the other side then that's where she should hit it so but this is the kiss approach to penalty kick taking. Keep, keep it simple, stupid. stupid. Yes. Yeah, like and and yeah. you get two goals for it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I just I think that's the way to do it. Uh, and then yeah, you're avoiding having to worry about the goalkeeper. You're wor- worrying about overanalyzing. If you're overanalyzing, yeah. maybe you're not as focused on like where your plant foot's going to be, and then you end up putting it high and wide. Uh, shots fired at Sam Kerr. So ooh, mm. so the U.S. is one nil up inside what seven minutes. Mm-hmm. I really thought okay. We're going to roll. It, this game is going to be how I imagine. You know who it. else I think thought that? The US? Yes. So let's talk about Spain's equaliser, which comes in the ninth minute, just a couple of minutes after Rapino um, has scored that goal. Uh, I have it's, things to say, Daryl. I have things to say. You do? All right, to quickly, first, go ahead. To quickly describe it to listeners, Alyssa mm-hmm. uh, uh, Naya plays it out to Becky Sauberin. Becky Sauberin is tackled by Lucia Garcia. The poke tackle goes to uh, Jenny Amoso, and Amoso bends it up and over um, Naya, and it's 1-1. And right? I say, those are the basic facts of the case. Yes. There's a lot more to it. than And that, I say right? Alyssa Nair is narrative victim. That's what I'm saying. Narrative here. victim. Yes. So you, you're saying that she, maybe she's getting too much blame for this moment. One million percent. One for, million for, percent. For most of this game, especially like the few little like, weird moments. There's this one. There's the one where Crystal Dunn passes her the ball back and she ends up hitting it into a Spanish player. Lucia Garcia again, who, yeah, by the way, is on it this whole yes, game. Yeah. Her, her, her pressing and running caused 
multiple yeah. problems. But here, I, I, I feel like because the story has been, we don't know about the back line. We have some questions about them when they come under pressure. Yeah. And Alyssa Nair has been the appointed number one since Hope yeah, Solo yeah. and hasn't really been allowed to be challenged is, I think, the way the narrative has been presented. And it hasn't been tested throughout the tournament so far as part of it yes. as well, right? And I, would, and I would pause here to say that I have had that exact same concern about Alyssa Nair, that I would rather have a goalkeeper who's been pushed and pushed and challenged and other goalkeepers have been given chances because it makes her really prove that it should be yeah. her job. But she should have to prove that she's better than Adriana French yeah. with her performances for the U.S. Women's National Team. That's and instead, she's just been given the gloves and said, you're the mm-hmm. number one all the way through the World Cup. Indeed. Yeah. But I say here that, like... With all that said, I, I don't think this is her fault. I really don't because I think – I forget who pointed this out in the post-match, but she's clearly been instructed to play it short. That, that is coming from the manager. Yeah, that's how the U.S. The plays, right? We like right. to even, – even though we go direct from, mm-hmm. say, Dolkemper um, or Ertz or someone like that, we from the goalkeeper, we build from the back at yeah. least to begin with, right? We don't just kick it long and hope for the best from the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also if you look at every other sequence when Alyssa Nair gets the ball in this game, her, she is immediately up and trying to play the ball. It's very clear that the United States game plan is if if Spain do, because I think maybe they thought Spain wouldn't be attacking too much, if they are have do have numbers committed forward, we, we hit them on the counter as quickly as we can. And I think that's why Alyssa Nair was trying to get the ball back into play consistently as fast as she could. And I yeah. think that's the case here. It's the United States wins the ball back. They play it backwards to her. And I think she is looking to maybe... If I were guessing, play it to Becky Sauerbrunn, pull some players in. Becky Sauerbrunn drops it to Alyssa Nair. Doesn't Nair gesture yes. to Sauerbrunn, like, give it straight back to me? Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't come. And I think then her goal was to maybe play it to Dahlkemper. Dahlkemper hits it long. There you go. But here, I think yeah. maybe— And then Keith like, isn't down the wing again, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that would be my guess. But here, maybe Becky Sauerbrunn isn't ready. Maybe she's not quite positioned for it. And so maybe that is a little bit on Alyssa Nair. But- yeah, Karina uh, LeBlanc mm-hmm. um, on the Fox— Panel is a former goalkeeper, right? Mm-hmm. And she she was making the argument that maybe Alyssa and I shouldn't play it to Becky Sauerbrunn because Becky Sauerbrunn isn't um, like she's not open for the pass. She's like mm-hmm. facing. She's facing goal. Her back is to the rest of the field. And so she doesn't know that there's a lot of pressure possibly coming for her. So then maybe that wasn't the correct pass. But you've convinced me that Naya gesturing for it straight back mm-hmm. means that there was, at least in Naya's head, there was a plan, right? Of like, I'll play the short to you, you play it short back to me, and then we're away. Yes. But uh, that, that is all a part of it. But it's also worth noting again that this all comes from Abby Dahlkamp returning and playing the ball back to Alyssa Nair. She looks to play it to Kelly O'Hara, and Kelly O'Hara gives her like a no, 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 oh, no, yeah, yeah. slow it down. And then all of the U.S. back forward drops back into a kind of this is where we want to be to build yeah, out again. Like a four shape. And so that's where, again, I don't have much sympathy for Becky Sauerbrunn because if you all are dropping in to kind of reestablish possession, then you should know that ball is coming. Yeah. And I think, and it's a little harsh on Becky Sauerbrunn because she's the one that gets robbed, but I think we saw it multiple times in this game of U.S. defenders not being accustomed because of, I think, the way Sweden set up and made the rotations and didn't try to be too aggressive. Yeah. But then also Chile and Thailand. Chile and Thailand. Yeah. I think they're just used to having a little bit more time. And do you think we maybe didn't explain to press as well? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. But like, look at uh, later on, there's the one, I think that ends up being maybe the back pass or maybe that's the one where Becky Sauerbrunn has to come across and cover. But it's oh, the, the one. Oh, the Crystal Dunn moment? Yeah. Yeah. But it's because her first touch is, is, it's not even sloppy. It's just unnecessary. Her first touch is kind of back where the ball took her or where it came from. So Dunn or, uh, Dunn, uh, yeah. Dunn here. That she then like, takes another touch, then she tries to play the ball, and that's what gets picked out. And I think she's used to having a little bit more time to kind of pick her head up and find the ball. Yeah. And I think Becky Sauerbrunn here, too. I think she's not accustomed, at least in this tournament, to coming under immediate pressure. And so she thinks, yeah, I don't have my back to the field or whatever, but like I can turn. And then this, that turn is a little bit sloppy and Spain her like, away. Lucia Garcia's honor and mm-hmm. Sauerbrunn essentially just tries to do a like, 
270 degree turn so I, that she can just like put her back to Garcia and turn away and step away with the ball. I think it's I think it's simultaneous. I think she recognizes Garcia coming in and I think she tries to like turn and step in front of her. Yeah, and then she can play forward. But her tur- her it. touch is is heavy and the yep. ball's a little bit out of control. So what about what happens next then? Because mm-hmm. as Garcia pokes it, it goes to Hermoso, uh, yeah. obviously Spain's most dangerous mm-hmm. attacker. Hermoso is outside the area. Um, Dalcamp is coming across. Yeah. Uh, Naya kind of yeah, you're right on this f- one. Yeah, takes a few steps to the right to her right, mm-hmm. and I think opens up that um, from Emoso's perspective. Yeah, Emoso's perspective. Excuse me. That sort of top right hand corner is suddenly much more open than it should have been. This is true. But is this Naya's fault or is this like just really good stuff from Emoso? I mean, it's both. I would okay. say probably. Oh, you're I right. things can be two things. They can be. But yeah. in this in this case, you're probably right that I think Naya is caught in a position of. Wasn't expecting the ball to be turned over, and suddenly Spain are in a shooting like position. And you she's, are, yeah, she's in a bad position. She's twelve yards she, out. She's in about. a bad position mm-hmm. because the ball's just been turned over. That's yes. not her chosen set position to face a shot. No, and that was going to be like when I when I w- went back and rewatched it initially, I was thinking like, oh, she's just got to backpedal and be on her line or be closer to her line. But then she's backpedaling when there's a yeah. shooting opportunity. That's not what you then want. You get chipped. Probably. So then yeah. I was thinking like, ah, oh, maybe there's just not much she can do. But you actually convinced me that that those few hops to the right are, I think, because she doesn't expect Spain to shoot. I yeah. think she thinks Hermoso is going to hold it up, look for maybe uh, overlapping runs and play yeah. them in. So I think Nair's trying to get more central, but still stay like up off her line and be a little bit aggressive. And then the shot comes, I think, because maybe Hermoso was going to aim there always. But I think you're right that sliding over maybe just invites that ball to the back post. Yeah. And doesn't Hermoso just do this kind of cleanly and quickly? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one touch. One touch is like a settle and turn, and the second touch is a shot, I believe. So that's really decisive oh, yeah. um, on her part, yes. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure when Real Madrid are put in there, I've, I've heard it referred to as the Galacticas. Yes. Uh, when they're trying to put that team together, there might be a bid for Hermoso. Where is she right now? Is she Atleti? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if there's like a rivalry where she won't move across down, but I the money might be good, right? Yes. The money might be good. It seems possible. Yeah. It seems possible. But um, since it doesn't really fit in elsewhere, I'm just going to say, back to my initial Nair defense for a moment. Yeah. I also wanted to point out, so there's another one later on when Crystal Dunn is kind of coming under pressure. She's running backwards. She plays it back to Nair. Nair then, uh, if, you, if you watch it, if you remember the sequence, kind of like runs out, tries to pass it back to Dunn, and it gets intercepted, and it almost becomes it terrible. It bounces off. You'll never guess who. Is it Lucia Garcia? It is Lucia Garcia, yeah. mm-hmm. who will chase you to the ends of the earth. Indeed. Or at least to the ends of the pitch. But I want to say two things about this one. <laughs> yeah. Three things. One, I agree. She yeah. chases you everywhere. Two, I think it's a bad pass from Crystal Dunn because I think it's... It's a little soft, right? It's, it's under hit. It's under hit and, it's, and it's, it may, basically makes... Go back and watch it. Like, Nair has to run six, eight yards to get to that ball. Yeah. And she's not left-footed. If you're playing that ball back to the goalkeeper and the only pressure is that one player who's on you, you should try to play a more square ball so that it goes to the keeper's dominant foot and yeah, she yeah. can either keep the ball moving and swing it to the other side or hit it with the dominant foot. Instead, Nair now has to run eight yards and try to pass a ball with her non-dominant foot while under pressure I, I think she can be forgiven for making a mistake here or being perceived to make a mistake so i here. think you've made a good case that naya in this mm-hmm. case naya excuse me has i still been, don't know how to pronounce her name so it's fine naya 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 i'm gonna go naya um is the victim Nay-her. the victim of a narrative right? yeah yeah i think so uh, and if you're looking for a victim it is naya <laughs> that joke works if you're scottish it really does. I guess. you were close you were close you almost had it you almost had it okay before we talk about the mm. second half i also think we focused a lot on the united states yeah. and what they were doing i think it's worth pointing out we talked about spain sort of very aggressive centre-back play. On I don't know what Alex you're talking about. They were Morgan. just happy to be there, Daryl. They're just no pressure, oh. enjoying their time. Again, this is why we switched to NS Benio. Yes. Um, 
the fact that they pressed high up the field I thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. they managed to do it and it, the, the, the goal the equalising goal is the proof that they pressed high up the field and put yep. pressure on the US but they also managed to do it without exposing themselves without like mm-hmm. opening themselves up I think they did a really smart job of pressure when it was a good idea and the US was trying to build out of the back and then as the US progressed a little bit then they would collapse backwards into essentially from the 43 into a sort of a more 451 type shape. Yeah. And then they would provide a lot of bodies that the US could not get through. I think it was an excellent game plan from Spain. I think it was because I think they also took a thing. They did the opposite of what I, what I said was going to happen, which is they took the United, Stra- United States' strength and used it against them a little bit. Because yeah. you would think for a moment like, well, yeah, but if they step out, then that long ball over the top is on. And aside from that one to Tobin Heath that she brings down and draws the penalty – then you're sort of backing yourself. You're kind of geeing up your defenders to step in and win that ball and cause problems. So then you're, if you're making the United States look for their kind of primary attacking option, but you are set up to deal with that, then that's not, not going to be on. Yeah, and then, nullified Alex yeah. And then if as soon as that ball doesn't happen, you drop in immediately, and now the United States can't play that ball, but they have to pull numbers forward, but they're not really in a position physically or sort of mentally yeah. to have quick, quick triangle passing combinations then the offense looks a little bit stagnant. So we've talked about maybe why the U.S. couldn't solve yeah. that problem because they maybe just went too direct too mm-hmm. often. But they do eventually win this game, right? So I think there's some credit to the U.S. that Spain had this great defensive plan and the U.S. still managed to find a way through to the quarterfinal. You're not buying it? Begrudgingly? Begrudgingly, maybe? Begrudgingly? Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I mean, I, okay, so here's, here's my, my mini rant about this game, then I will agree with you. Okay. I, this is why I say I think this, the first 15 or 20 of the second half I found – Distressing, disconcerting, because it, it clearly things were not working for the United States at the end of the first half. They were still kind of taking low percentage shots. They were still looking for that long ball. They were losing the physical battle. And I expect I genuinely thought there might be a halftime change. I know that's not a thing Jill Ellis wants to do or likes no. to do. Instead, there were no changes to what the eighty something minute, and that's a problem. Yeah, for well, me. maybe we'll talk about all that stuff later. Let's we'll talk about it. Ellis team selection and substitution patterns. Sure. Well, I, well it, it's it's kind of what I'm talking about here. Though, okay, that, so then I, I expected for the second half to come out like okay, fine, no changes, but I expect there to be a little bit of like okay, we're gonna slightly adjust in my my mind this is what made sense was like we're going to slightly adjust what we've been doing and we're going to try to focus on some things that maybe did seem like opportunities that we didn't necessarily exploit in the first half if those don't work in the first 15 minutes or so then we'll make some changes not least which because alex morgan looks like she's a little bit injured has been getting knocked around so we'll either and it's also not being effective no there's also that argument right if she's not doing it there's you know there's mcdonald and there's Carly Lloyd. There is. But also, maybe you could just bring in somebody to partner her. And then there's another person oh, to aim for. And now, yeah, Alex Morgan can be the one who drops in and tries to win the, the, yeah. the 50-50 ball. Let Carly Lloyd get some bruises. Exactly. Yeah. She'll battle. You know she will. Yeah. And so I, I thought, okay. even Jersey. But So we'll give like, like 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 10 or 15 minutes, see if things change. And then if not, that's where I expected some pre-planned halftime adjustments. Yeah. And instead, it was kind of more of the same. Right. And Jill Ellis, as you said, held off making substitutions until after the United States get their penalty. Yeah. And then, and then some, basically, until the 86 minute or so. All right, I'm going to make the case for what Jill Ellis did then, okay. which is that her description afterwards was that I didn't make the subs until late because mm-hmm. I felt like, um, I think she said, despite the heat, um, players were growing and the into, lack of rest yeah players were growing into the game mm-hmm. and I would argue that you're right the first 15 minutes of the second half were not good but after that point I think the US started to have a lot more possession in Spain's final third and just look look a little more threatening um, look increasingly threatening as the second half wore on and I think part of how they did that was instead of keep going direct and making Spain chase and I think partly because Spain also started to mm-hmm. do less pressing and drop back a little more so they almost invited us to 
move forward at a slower pace because they weren't pushing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you would end up with Rapino and Heath coming a little deeper and we would still go wide to them, but then they would play it back towards the middle and suddenly then Mewis and Lavelle um, and Ertz are more involved and we have what looks more like how I expected the United States to play. Mm-hmm. So I almost think Gilles like, looked at this as... This thing is bubbling away and it's going our way, so I'm not going to change anything. And I think eventually it's going to work. And if, I mean, if you go with that hypothesis, we score in the 71st mm-hmm. minute after we win a penalty kick. So she was kind of right. Am I a genetic apologist? If, if, is- if you go with that hypothesis and that narrative, yes. I'm not sure I do. Okay. I, I'm not sure if it's that or if it's maybe they made a few adjustments to play a little bit differently. And then she just kind of hoped that it would work. And that, like, as one of her quotes in there was like, and then some players, it seems like, started to get their second wind. And I thought, well, let's, like, see Did what happens. Did she say that, second wind? I, I, yeah, it was like second wind, so to speak, is okay. why it stood out to me. And, but right there. Thumbs down for the cliche. It, indeed. But also, <laughs> thumbs down for, like, to me, that indicates she didn't really have a plan. That it was more of a, like, oh, okay, they're still good to go. We'll then keep going. And, and I, it just... <laughs> It felt a little bit – we've heard those old criticisms about like she kind of relies on her superior talent to make up for sort of like in those, in those final moments, our talent will find a way through. Yeah. And this is the first time that it really felt to me like maybe that is a thing that she was sort of like, all right, we'll change up the uh, game plan a little bit. But you 11 are the best 11. You all should be able to beat this. So go out there and beat them. I was about to challenge you by saying, but what if she's right? Because yeah. talent did find a way through. Mm-hmm. But I guess there comes a point – where it doesn't find a way through, and yeah. that may be the quarterfinal against France or, exactly. or another game exactly. down the line. Okay, so well, I'm not going to go deeper into that debate with you. Fair, and 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 also because you're right though that like I am I am still concerned about hypotheticals that weren't because it ends up being <laughs> the United States who win. Wait, I can't follow that. What's a hypothetical that wasn't? I don't know. Uh, like I see, I'm, I'm worried about a scenario that didn't end up happening basically because see, okay. if it was sort of like then she kept not making changes and it kept being one-to-one and then Ali Wagner suggested that maybe it was because she was saving substitutions for extra time, which is an interesting idea and I mean that in the way that my wife says interesting. Uh, it, it like it. It would have been See, much they did, more. They didn't say that. They didn't say that in Espanol. No, they, they did not say that one. <laughs> I right. mean, they might yeah. have, but I I can't understand Spanish, yes. so I have. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about the actual goal? Let's do it. So, in the seventy first minute, mm-hmm. um, actually, I actually don't know when the penalty goes in. Uh, but this I think begins... it's, I think it's either twenty six or thirty minutes later. I think based on how long <laughs> this took. Yeah. So it's Rapino has the ball. Mm-hmm. Rapino, excuse me. Rapino. I mean, you know, has, yeah, I know. Sometimes she needs it. Rapino has the ball out. This will make more sense when we do our talisman cap dad read. Right? <laughs> Rapino has the ball out wide on the left. Yep. Crystal Dunn makes a really mm-hmm. good. Um, I don't want to say overlap because it's actually an underlap yep. in, because she's like in the inside channel to Rapino. Goes bombing down the wing and Rapino slides the ball, I think, to the outside of the right back for Dunn to run onto. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of the few moments where instead of going, or I guess this has progressed throughout the game, instead of going direct to Rapino and then Dunn can't join her because no one's quick enough to catch up to that because mm-hmm. it's a big direct ball. And because we've built more slowly, we're able to get our fullbacks actually overlapping and getting beyond our wingers, yeah. right? And then we're double teaming their fullbacks. I mean, and, and it is the argument for why you want Crystal Dunn, who is an attacker, playing yes. left back because Absolutely. if you're going to use her as an attacker, she can do that job. Absolutely. I think I think it's really worth highlighting because people will talk about the penalty and was it or wasn't mm-hmm. it and all that, but I think it's really worth Get highlighting Crystal, penal, 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 mm-hmm. uh, Crystal Dunn's involvement in this because she's key to this, this move happening. Mm-hmm. Because after she overlaps, the ball that she sends in, it's a good ball. Yep. It goes to Alex Morgan, who miscontrols it. Yeah. And that's uh, – we haven't used the phrase, it's things can be two things in a while, I feel like. But we've used it a lot lately. Well, I mean, up until – like we haven't used it and then suddenly here it is on the show because I'm going to say it again. I also think it – things can be two things. I think Alex Morgan – 
battled and got knocked around a lot and doesn't need to go to the chiropractor, she said, because she <laughs> took that one big hit and many others. She said Cairo, which implies a, a familiarity with a lot of visits to the chiropractor. It does. <laughs> it does. Slightly worrying, maybe, yeah. for the longevity. Uh, but I also think it can be that she had a bad game, too. And yeah. I think those can exist simultaneously. And I felt like maybe because she took so many hits, she wanted to stop being hit. But I think she started to kind of not necessarily pull out of challenges, but you could just see her sort of like, I'm going to get rid of this ball real fast before I get one. And here, you also saw her, when she felt that pressure coming, I think she started to get a little bit focused on the pressure and not on the control. And so here, like, it's a ball and defeat that basically just pops up in the air. And you started to see that a little bit more with some of her passes being intercepted or not going where they uh, maybe were intended. And is it fair to say that when she pops it, when Morgan pops this ball Mm -hmm. into the air after Dunn has sort of crossed it slash cut it back, it's a weird sort of half cross, half cut back thing. Um, that Lavelle is essentially trying to rescue the situation because there's a loose ball, so yes. Lavelle is running across mm-hmm. to just pick up this loose ball because of Morgan's loose touch. And that's where she, we think, gets fouled. Yes. I'm trying to be careful that this isn't just our US fandom, but I am pretty sure that there is plenty contact um, down the back of Rose Lavelle's calf as, mm-hmm. she, as she touches this ball. I, I think, I agree with you. I, I don't think this is just our US fandom. Yeah. Maybe it is, but I don't think it is. But I think what I was really paying attention to is like what happens when that contact occurs. And it's and, uh, Torachia, by the way, thank number you. 14 for Spain. Yeah, uh, and I think it's a really weird situation where usually when you see a defender coming through and another defender kind of running laterally the way they were and there's that intersection, you expect there to be sort of a, a knockout. Like you expect the leg to go flying, like flying yeah. not off, that'd be bad, but just sort of like you expect there to see signs of an impact. And I think it's a very strange moment of like almost physics here where Rose Lavelle is running straight forward and she gets kind of her calf, like like not necessarily raked because I don't even think it's like a really bad challenge, yeah, but yeah. I think there's contact, but the way the contact is, Down is coming pressure, basically, yeah, right? from the challenge from Torresilla, it basically forces Rose Lavelle's leg down instead of out instead of at a different angle and so I think if you imagine it's like when you think there's going to be a step and there isn't and so you kind of come down like in an uncontrolled way you know what I'm talking about when you're going upstairs I think that's basically what happens to Rose Lavelle is because the kind of trajectory of her foot increases or the speed of her like of her gait increases yeah she lands awkwardly and that's why she she stumbles yeah Yeah. so and you can see it if you watch it super slow motion you can see as soon as that foot makes contact with her calf, the speed at which her foot goes down increases. And I think right there is what makes her fall, even if it looks very minor. I agree with the physics of that. It's also because um, Torres here is coming in slightly from the side. Lavelle's left foot, when that lands, lands at a slightly weird angle. Mm -hmm. So the the combination of those two things is definitely enough to make her stumble and go down. Mm -hmm. So I can see why people will say this is a soft penalty, but also... There's contact that shouldn't have happened, and that's what causes Lavelle to go down. She's not dived. Mm -hmm. I think she's just been, like you said, put off her gate. That's why she goes down. Mm -hmm. That's why it's a penalty kick. Small rant number two. Okay. If you'll permit me. Go for it. Also the referee's fault, I think. because The The foul? The the perception of the foul, because it's a soft penalty, and what I kept seeing uh, around the horn was on, in fact, and they were all making this argument, strangely enough, that, like, if you're letting a bunch of stuff go, then you it's then that looks like a very soft penalty to give away. Wait, wait. around the horn on ESPN, yes, was talking about the Women's yes. World Cup. So I'm amazed by that just because because ESPN isn't screening mm-hmm. it. I thought they wouldn't give it the attention. I, I That's was kind of big. I was prepared for them to be ill-informed and loud. They were more informed than I expected. Excellent. Uh, yes. This is good news. It was. It was. Uh, so yes. Sorry, I was so excited because I was really surprised by that. Yeah, I'm kind of pleased by it. But yeah. but yeah, they they were talking about it. But like there was this argument of like, well, you know, it, like a lot was allowed like to 
happen. There were many fouls that weren't called. Kelly O'Hara was, I believe, briefly murdered and then uh, like was resurrected. She was um, she was only mostly dead. Okay, mostly dead. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Billy, Billy Crystal revived her. <laughs> Thank you for that. Princess Bride references always welcome in this office. Um, and, and, but I think so that if she had called a lot of the other uh, fouls and maybe given out some cards when I think they were deserved, maybe some of the players aren't even on the pitch at that point. Yeah. But I think it just looks like a soft penalty in that moment because there's maybe not like an aggressive amount of contact, but also because the U.S. players had been kind of getting mauled all over the place. <laughs> and I mean, you know, Megan Rapinoe gets a yellow card for slapping a player in the face. Yeah. Debate the kind of how hard that slap was, but it's still like, I mean, there were calls for that it just it felt like she didn't necessarily keep control of this and certainly while we're on the subject of this penalty didn't keep control of what was happening as the penalty was about to be taken oh right because she was because it was VAR checked right it was VAR checked and credit to the referee Mm because she makes the decision just with her eyeballs right she sees this in the moment immediately points to the spot right got a penalty kick VAR check it and normally if it was 100% oh yeah you're good they wouldn't have said anything to her, right? They would have just said, yeah, you were right. Mm-hmm. That's good. Let's go. Instead, they said, we think there's something here. You maybe need to come and take a look at this. She went and looked at it and was like, no, my elbows were correct. Your computers are great, but I say it's a penalty kick, right? I just picture like the like like her, like the official's parents being the VAR people just being like, are you sure? Yeah. Like, is that, <laughs> if, if you think there was a foul, I guess there was a foul. So, and it's like, all right, final look. Credit to the ref <laughs> for being right first time. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right that when she's you're talking about when she's listening in her ear yeah. to the VAR people saying maybe she could have a look at this. Yeah. She's not paying attention to the Spanish players. Who's literally kicking the ball. They're like literally yeah. touching the ball. And they're, yeah. they're like on the twelve yes. on the penalty spot, yes. right? Making it impossible for at this point yeah. Alex Morgan to take Yeah, the and they're doing a lot of like shin guard adjustments right next yeah. to the ball. There's and she's this watching. Is this just part of the Morgan intimidation that's been going on throughout the entire uh, Yeah, game. I think so. And I mean she and it's 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 distra- it's they're frustrating like, to me. They're doing like the slit throat gesture to Morgan, <laughs> yes. or we're going to get you. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't really. I mean, they were not. But I mean, the referee <laughs> standing right there. She, she, it is certainly a thing that she could do is step in and be like, "Hey, get out of the box. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to be in here. You two are not taking this penalty kick." But the other thing that I think teams. <laughs> That's true. They're not. The other thing I think teams have sort of learned is that because there needs to be such specific instruction from the official to the goalkeeper before the penalty is taken, yeah, she yeah, always yeah. walks them back and has the word about, like, your feet can be here, your feet can't be there, seat backs and tray tables upright. And all like <laughs> it's very, very instructive. Every time that happens now, at least one, if not two players from the, uh, the goalkeeper's team, the team who are defending the penalty or trying to save the penalty, are in the box talking to the penalty taker yeah, around yeah, yeah. it. And, About and how if, they're going to miss and it. And it feels very much like, again, like, like the teacher's back is turned. Now he can mess with the other person until they turn <laughs> back around. airplanes it's, everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that was not my favorite moment for sure. <laughs> I, I do, and I'm still not done being critical of Jill Ellis, but I will say oh, right. this was a major decision on her part and one that I think she got absolutely correct. Oh, the switching up the penalty. Yeah, because yeah, in this delay, mm-hmm. um, according to Morgan in the post-match interview, yep. that she basically said it's a coach's decision that P- she said Rapinoe Pino, takes this. Pino gave me the ball, but it's ultimately the coach's decision, so the ball went back to Pino. There we go. I, I had Pino and then Pino. Yes. There you go. You mm-hmm. got both, yeah. 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 I think that's the right call. I was really worried about Alex Morgan stepping up just because she looked out of sorts in this game. Obviously, getting kicked a lot will do that. But oh, her- Paredes might have kicked her in the runner. I mean, yeah, it's possible, and somehow gotten away with it as well. But, I mean, I believe I'm correct. If I haven't already said this, I'll say it again. Or if I haven't already said this, I'll say it now. If I have said it, I'll say it again. Uh, That I think the goals were the only shots on target from either team in this game. Uh, I don't know if they were saves other than that. And so it sort of is like Alex Morgan didn't have her shooting boots on on the day, hadn't sort of been battering the goal and couldn't find a way through, but this was her chance. 
it felt a little bit like she wanted to take it to kind of get things going. Yeah. And I don't always know if that's the best way as opposed to Megan Rapinoe who stepped up and put it in the exact same spot as uh, the first one. Yeah, so I mean we can copy and paste mm-hmm. your earlier comments about how yep. to take a penalty uh, for Rapino from this, right? Choose a spot, yep. know where you're going, hit it accurate and firmly, and the goalkeeper can't save it. Yes. Uh, except to add, I think it was Jeff Reuter who pointed this out on Twitter, that like the angle of the of the shot from like, behind Rapino, it looks like she's shooting it towards the uh, the rainbow flag, the LGBTQ flag, and that was... Was the one behind the goal? It, it was, yeah. and like right where the ball went. So it looked like she was like, that's where it goes. <laughs> I'm, I'm aiming for that. Maybe that was set up as a nice, like, uh, nice guidance thing for it her. It could be. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Did you notice also um, the ref... It's a weird version of like the bull. <laughs> sort of like, <laughs> go here. Do you notice the ref, mess- not messing with the printer, but being yes. weird about where the ball was placed on the spot, yeah. right? Which, uh, one, could throw you off, right? Yeah. Really could throw you off. Um, but what Rapino does is when she's been told to replace it, she places it yeah. slightly to the left. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's almost like an extra couple of inches yep. towards where she was going anyway. Mm-hmm. Like she might as well have sent the keeper an email with an attachment that said, this is where the ball is going. I dare you to stop it. And, and uh, forgive me. This is how she took this kick, right? Yeah. And, and somebody, I uh, forget who pointed this out on Twitter as well, that she also moves it back. Like you, you would make the argument that yeah. she's trying to put it as far forward as possible to make it closer, to make the angle even harder. She moves it back and again then puts it, yeah, on the left-hand side. Pretty much telegraphs. I'm going to the exact same spot, but she hits it so well that it's almost impossible to save. Oh, one final incident in this game. Yep. There is um, a brief penalty shout mm. in the 97th minute yep. um, where I can't remember who the Spanish player is, but Mewis. Oh, it's Paredes. Mm. Paredes yep. again is up for like a long ball. Somehow um, still on the field. Yep. Paredes goes to swing at a shot, but mm. uh, Sam Mewis gets in the way and there's a brief call for penalty kick. Referee waves it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a good look at this and we were initially confused. We reenacted it in the office and have come to the decision that it's fine. That's no yeah. penalty kick. I think it's it's smart work from Mewis to get sort of like neck and neck with with uh, Paredes yeah. when she's hitting it. If I think Mewis were running in and then it was sort of from behind and the contact occurred, then maybe there's an argument of like she yeah she obstructed the shooting motion. You can't do that. That's a penalty. But I think because Mewis is more or less standing she gets right, position, basically. she's basically standing yeah. next to her. And at that point, it's it's like it's not your fault if you're the defender if you're standing there and the opponent kicks you instead of the ball. Yeah. Then I think it's a harder argument to make. So I think just because she makes that little adjustment right as the contact happens, I think that's probably why the referee waves it off because she is staring right at it when it happens. Yep. All right. Speaking of adjustments, mm-hmm. we've got to talk about Jill Ellis's lineup selection and her substitution sure. pattern. We are running long, but mm-hmm. it's the US Women's National Team in the round of 16 yep. in the World Cup. So I am good with it. All right. Um, okay. So the first big decision, mm-hmm. the first big thing today was Lindsay Horan not starting this game yep. and the midfield three being Juliet in the middle, Roosevelt to the right, Sam Mewis to the left. Mm-hmm. The speculation is that maybe because Lindsay Horan already has one yellow card, uh, we didn't want her to get another yellow card in this game and for her to be suspended for the quarterfinal against France, mm-hmm. which, as prophesied, is now happening. Um, we don't know that that's definitely the case, right? We don't. But we think it's the case? Yes. Or Taylor thinks it's the case? Taylor thinks yeah. it's the case, yeah. I'm like 50% convinced that's the Taylor case. Taylor thinks it's the case so much so that I was very annoyed with myself when I saw this lineup that that didn't occur to me when we were discussing who might end up sitting from the midfield in this game. Because okay. as you pointed out, like there are four world-class midfielders. There's only three spots. Yeah. And it probably should have occurred to me that, yeah, but one of those is on a yellow and you don't want to risk it against maybe either it ends up being a physical game, which it was. Maybe yeah. you don't want to put a player in you, to handle that. You've also made the argument to me, mm-hmm. I don't know if on air or off, I, I genuinely can't remember, that Lindsay Horan is our best midfielder. Yep. Um, I would argue she's the most complete midfielder, which maybe mm-hmm. makes her the best midfielder. Um, so there's also an argument that, hey, don't take Spain for granted. You should make sure to get through this game and Lindsay Horan should have played. 
that we're, we're second guessing Jalis here, who has won yeah. this game two mm-hmm. one without Lindsay Horan getting a yellow card. But I do think it's an interesting conversation to have. Sure, yeah, uh, and so to he, frame it. And, he, and here's the other thing that we, we haven't yet gotten to, and I think is also important is that. But then Horan does play, and is she does sub on. Very late in the game, as all the yeah, not many minutes, were. right? That Ten but minutes it, total. But it's still at a time. Many people pointed this out. Like it's still at a time when it's a very physical game, and it is inviting physical substitutions. It's inviting people to sub on who can handle that challenge and go right back at Spain. And so Lindsay Brown's perfect, except she's on a yellow. And if you're not playing her to avoid her getting a yellow, and you're putting into a game that is incredibly physical, you're also putting into a game where. We don't know what happens. Maybe there's a, a through ball, and now she's running somebody back, and she pulls them down to make the professional foul. Yeah, yeah. You're putting her in that position. And I think that if you're going to play Lindsay Horan, it does make more sense to start her and have her play in the game when maybe that's less likely to be a thing. And then if you're up 1-0 or 2-0 at halftime, then you can make that substitution. But I think Jalelis doesn't like making those changes in these types of games. And so yeah. I think she thought, I'll rest Lindsay Horan. We'll probably be okay or we'll hopefully be okay. And then she won't have to play. And I think she basically looked at her bench near the end of the game and thought, I need somebody to kind of come in and kill this game off. That's the player that I most want to do that. So I'm going to kind of roll the dice. Yeah. And I think we can argue that, like, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a risky decision. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we've won this game and yep. Lindsay Hiran does not have the yellow card mm-hmm. and Gilles has played it perfectly. Yes. Right? Yes. No suspensions for the quarterfinal. No suspensions for the quarterfinal. But I, I think it's it's not even the substitutions necessarily that that frustrated me in this game. I okay. thought there should have been substitutions, and I thought they should have happened much sooner. I think we've sort of, um, without directly saying it, we've yeah. made the case that maybe Alex Morgan should have come out for Carly Lloyd, um, maybe in the 60th minute. Or yes, so. I think yeah. so. But I also that would have made a lot of sense to me. It would have, but uh, but I I think with everything I've said about Alex Morgan and how she didn't seem to have a very good night, I also genuinely don't know if that's her fault because if yeah. she's getting kicked the entire game and knocked around and is out of sorts. You've either got to give her support or you've got to bring in somebody else. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a punishment for you played poorly. It can just be, hey, this isn't working. You're getting kicked around. Let's give let Carly Lloyd take that punishment instead. And that and that's where it felt to me like throw some Jersey elbows. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's where and this is just my this is my like 100 percent opinion. I I I don't always like when people do this and they sort of say like, well, this is what I think she was doing, and I'm going to try not to do that too much. But it did feel that refusal to bring off Morgan felt like, but maybe she'll get a goal and maybe she'll get a chance. And like like she's Alex Morgan. She wanted her to. I think she was rooting for Alex Morgan, and that's. What you want your coach to do to have faith in you, but you also need the coach to make this the is, kind of tough decisions. This is the conversation we had earlier about like just trusting your superstars yeah. and assuming that they'll do something at yeah. some point. And there's even an argument that Morgan is involved in winning the penalty, mm-hmm. even though it's a really bad touch. Yeah, I mean there is. <laughs> but like, what, what about the wingers? Sure. So we we made the argument mm-hmm. that uh, obviously Heath was really good winning the penalty early on. Uh, Rapino taking the penalties was great, but in terms of when they got the ball and went one on one versus defenders, it wasn't really a successful night for mm. Rapino and Heath in terms of their one on one battles versus their fullbacks. And maybe there's an argument that Press or Pew, who would have come in as those two alternative wingers, mm. might have been able to do something a little different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, we're second guessing after a win, but I could I could absolutely see the logic of doing that at the 60th minute or so. Yes, yeah. you'll get no arguments from me. And and Tobin Heath, I think, had the second fewest touches of any player for the U.S. tonight. I can't remember right? who had fewer. It might be a listen higher. Um, yeah, she had and the joint most penalty wins. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and I, it did seem like the kind of game plan of get it to Tobin and let her do Tobin yeah. things 
was <laughs> very much prevalent again, except that I think Spain were sort of adjusted to that and yeah. had people on Topin Heath very, very early and aggressively, but also had a secondary defender waiting so that if that first wave of really aggressive pressure was bypassed, there's somebody else there to kind of sweep it out of bounds or yeah. kick it back up the field. And maybe the calculation is, well, that's also going to happen to Malpew mm-hmm. and maybe Heath's the better player who's going yeah. to make the most of this anyway. Like, it's a tough situation. Maybe we have a better player in there versus our second best player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's I, that too. I, I think Kristen Press is the one that I would not have minded seeing yeah, much earlier, just because it feels like mm-hmm. she's a, she feels like the in terms of the four midfielders for three spots. Kristen Press feels to me like the fourth attacker for three spots, yeah. and it's it's. It's it's not unfair. It's just really unfortunate that there isn't quite room for her. I don't think any other team should be getting games. I also think Crystal uh, Kristen Press has that like, you know they. Uh, I'm going to equate her with like you know like Mickey from uh, Snatch, <laughs> like like Which one's Mickey? Like Brad Pitt. Like oh that yeah, character. Like okay. you know the people like they're like, like there's a thing where like a very skinny person can sometimes be like oh they're skinny. There's probably not much like fight to them. <laughs> like like Kristen Press, I wouldn't be surprised if she has like a one punch that knocks people out, a la yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt and Snatch. Like she and just she, and she bets on she herself. She seems like yeah yeah exactly. She seems spoiler alert. Don't bet. Snatch. You get in trouble for that. But she seems tough she seems hard and she seems like she is more than happy to go at people and make something happen similar with to to carly lloyd i think this was a game you bring in carly lloyd and let her knock some people around and get into it too so those are two changes i would have liked to see much sooner than one of them happened and one of them didn't happen at all all right i think we've definitely talked all we can about this game unless you have any other major points that you want to bring up and i I do mean major (laughs) yeah a couple more they're gonna take me 20 minutes (laughs) so the quarterfinal Mm -hmm. Is this coming Friday? Yep. It's a three o'clock kickoff. It is the United States versus the hosts, France. Mm-hmm. Like all the, this has been built up and there's a whole narrative around it. But this really is the game, right? Yeah. Like maybe Germany are in the t- like join us in the top three teams in the world. These are two of the top three teams in the world. One of them is the world champion. One of them is the World Cup host. Mm-hmm. This, I'm I'm just pumped for this game. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think you should be. I think, and there are reasons coming out of like both of these knockout round games to be pumped from it from a like, ooh, are either of these teams like are they gonna be able to handle each other? Is like yeah, yeah. is this gonna be a six to five game or is it gonna be a nil nil game and it's gonna be really physical? Uh-huh. Is one coach gonna outthink the other? Although both of them seem like they could equally outthink or not outthink the other. There's yeah, yeah. so many question marks that it makes it an even more compelling game than I expected it to already be. So shall we preview this later in the week? Yeah. Maybe Wednesday or Thursday. I'm gonna guess Thursday as we mm-hmm. get closer to this game. We still have another game to talk about today though. We do. It was another round of sixteen games it was Canada Sweden mm-hmm. we'll get to that in just a moment because first today's show is sponsored by our friends in Minnesota mm-hmm. Talisman Caps Talisman Caps I love Talisman Caps I appreciate all that they do and I mostly appreciate that they make my mid-tournament life very easy because we have so many games happening at so many different times Maybe sometimes it's tough to bathe. And maybe <laughs> maybe you wake up like a little bit later than you intended. Maybe there's going to be a game. You still got to walk the dogs. You put a hat on. You're good to go. So I know that you wear your Tasman cap at home during the day uh-huh. because you accidentally I FaceTimed sure me the other day, uh-huh. right? And said, I think your first... Why are you calling me? Yeah, I said, <laughs> sir, you FaceTimed me. Like I said, why are you video calling me? Yes. <laughs> I'm polite you just, on the you phone. You just went generic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why are you video calling me? Yeah. But you were wearing, um, I believe it was the Street Soccer USA logo mm-hmm. uh, talisman cap. Yeah. To the extent that I have different talisman caps for different things. I've got the around the house talisman cap. I've got the dog walking talisman cap. I've got the doing work around the house talisman cap. All right, which is which then? Is around the house the Street Soccer USA one or is the walking the dog one the Street Soccer USA The one? dog walking one is the Edgewater Castle FC one that we got, uh, the Chicago team for refugees. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, got, it's got, but as much as I like to say it's like for the good cause, it's got like the nice light blue underside. I enjoy that. So you pretend it's for the good cause, but it's actually for the, for the look. Things can be two things. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Street 
street soccer's around the house, and the uh, Quatamec Blanco one I tend to wear when I'm doing uh, projects around the house. Oh, the Blanco celebration. It's a lot of one Chicago up in is there. It's great, yeah. right? Um, there are lots of new caps there are. on the Talisman Caps mm-hmm. website, including some U.S. women's national themed caps, yep. including the reason I said Rapino mm-hmm. earlier is there is a Rapino yep. cap. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously. It's it's uh, an, a sort of uh, what embroidered image mm-hmm. of a player that looks very much like Megan Rapinoe, mm-hmm. pink hair, yep. pink hair no less, and taking a knee to protest injustice. Love it. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. The Rapinoe cap at talismancaps.com. We very much appreciate that. We appreciate the Michelle Akers cap, the Mia Hamm cap, the Brady Chastain cap, lots of different ways to represent uh, yes. and rep the U.S. Uh, women's national team. There are also U.S. soccer ones as well. Yep. And there's a new deal on the talisman caps. It is now 10% mm-hmm. off at talismancaps.com if you use the discount code TOTALSOCCER10 which is the words TOTALSOCCER, the number's 1-0 TOTALSOCCER10 you'll get 10% off anything you see at talismancaps.com There we are, so thank you very much to Talisman Caps for sponsoring today's episode. We've done almost an hour on the first game of the day. Ooh. Another hour to come on Canada-Sweden? I don't think there's quite enough there, but we'll definitely review it. Alright, that works for me especially because I, I don't have that much to say about this game. I will yeah. say that uh, it required me to move my tiny dog who was sleeping on me off of me so I could adjust my position because I felt like this game needed a change up. That's what I can say about this game. Didn't it, according to Twitter it worked, right? Didn't it Sweden was, score their first goal after It was freaky. You? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> yes. It was I tweeted that like sarcastically obviously I tweeted yeah, like yeah. I've now changed my position you're all welcome and then the goal went in and I felt uh, very special. I felt very well, special. It finishes 1-0 mm-hmm. to Sweden. It does. There's a really nice goal from Sweden which yep. we've got to talk about. And there's a missed penalty from Canada, mm-hmm. which we also have to talk about. Probably do. But let's start with the uh, the Swedish goal in mm-hmm. the 55th minute from Stina Blackstinius. Mm-hmm. But there's, there are multiple Swedish players to play to praise uh, for this goal. Yes, yeah. and then we should just spend the rest of the time talking about Kosovare Aslani because she's Maybe. real good. I mean, real, yeah, she, real actually, good. she has the best moments in yes. this goal. She's mm-hmm. the connective tissue in this goal. It actually starts with Becky, yeah. Canadian player on the right. She's looking for, I believe, Jesse Fleming. Yep. And it's just a mm-hmm. mishit pass, right? Which is cut out by Rubinson, mm-hmm. maybe too easily. Um, and I then, would say too easily, yeah. And then Rubinson, I really love after she collects the ball. She essentially didn't we talk in Canada's first game? We were really impressed with how Canada's defensive midfielders held shape and were like the shield that you couldn't get through. They were like a Maginot line that actually mm. worked. Um, <laughs> Scott and Schmidt, yeah. But um, <laughs> Rubinson plays a pass directly between the two of them to find Aslani, and that entire midfield shield yep. is gone in one pass. It, it almost felt like not the, their fault, but no, but, but they did get it. It felt like the shield has to be like activated and they have to be close enough to do it. And uh, like it's a it's a silly analogy, I know, but it's the best way I can explain that it, it did feel in the moment like. Rubinson Robinson had been told, if you get that ball, if if Canada are in a state of transition, play that ball forward as quickly as you can. Because it really is like before the shield could come online, the yeah, ball yeah. slipped through, and then it came online. And, and they're now trying, they're right? I actually can't yep. remember if it's Scott or Schmidt, but one of them is like tearing in mm-hmm. to try and intercept this ball. Scott is, is Scott's trying to get yeah. a touch on it, but it's, it's just too quick and too mm-hmm. accurate. And it goes to Aslani, who takes a couple of really nice touches to get away from Buchanan. I think centre-back Buchanan has stepped out to try and challenge Aslani. that first touch. To the, I, I feel like maybe Buchanan, the, the route she's taking, the approach angle, it seems to be almost that she doesn't think Aslani's going to control this. Like Maybe she yeah. thinks she's going to like dummy it, let it run through, and then turn and go. Uh-huh. So Buchanan steps, steps in as though she's going to intercept the ball when Aslani dummies. Instead, she takes a perfect first touch with her right foot, I believe, because yeah. she switches feet in this one. She does, which is uh, part of why this is so good. Right? Yeah. It's a bit of right foot left. 
left foot, right foot, left foot. Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's consistent surprise. Basically, I think the interception already is a bit of a surprise because Rubinson makes the defensive play, but then playing it forward that quickly is surprising yeah. to Canada. I think the turn and then the driving run from Aslani is surprising. Certainly, the left footed ball in uh, takes many by surprise, myself included, because it might be my favorite ball of the tournament. Although I feel like I've said that a couple times already. Well, Rose Lavelle's didn't quite come off and result mm-hmm. in a goal, so maybe maybe this has to be yes. Yeah, so this left footed pass from Aslani into the path of Blackstinius mm-hmm. is absolutely perfect because yep. I'll say this every time we rewatched it it didn't look on it didn't mm-hmm. look possible and yet the weird thing is it's so simple it's really just an in-step left-footed pass that just bends around the back of the defense right yeah. around the back of is it uh, Zdorsky Zdorsky mm-hmm. um, who is defending uh, Blackstinius yes and it's it, it it is but I think the simplicity indicates the amount of practice that's gone into it. This is mm. kind of what I was talking about with the U.S., how like it, when it was Rose Lavelle and she'd get the ball and try to beat some people and run around and then eventually make the pass, it didn't feel like it was this automatic, like, Rose Lavelle gets the ball, two people move to support it Rose Lavelle. Flow. It did not. In this one, it feels like based on what uh, Stina Blackstenius, the event, eventual goal scorer, does with her run, Ooh, yeah, it seems like that. she knows exactly what Aslani wants to do and tries to set her up to either get a shot of her own or play that ball, but have the opportunity to do both. So what does Blackstinius do then? And we're not talking about the finish here. We're talking mm-hmm. about the run off the ball after Astolani receives it. There's like two or three things she does that I'm really mm-hmm. impressed with. So she runs offside, which like seems like a mistake and maybe was, but she's making that initial run just in case I think the ball comes quickly. Yeah. It doesn't come quickly, so now she continues the run into an offside position. What she then does is the thing that I think is the most genius or clever in the moment is she then sort of arcs her run back towards the center of the field away from Aslani. So she takes Zdorsky with her a little bit, but she does so by running in front of Zdorsky, yeah. who it has a dual purpose in my mind or a dual effect of, number one, Zdorsky doesn't want to clip uh, this this attacker who's like you know closest to goal because yeah. maybe that's a yellow card and a free kick or whatever. So it makes her slow up a little bit. But I think it also... Like, psychologically, if you're Zadorsky, you then think, okay, well, but this player's run in front of me. I'm the last defender. She's offside. I don't really need to worry about it. And I think she starts to try to split the difference a little bit more to maybe— To maybe hold an offside line? Yeah, and also, but also maybe just get a little bit closer to Aslani in case she does end up kind of turning and making a run towards goal. Oh, yeah, because all this time, Aslani is continuing towards goal. Yeah, but while she's doing that— uh, Baxinius has made the run sort of away from Aslani towards the back post, and then she slows up a little bit. She like she hits down- reverse. She, da- right? she downshifts, I think, and yeah, like coasts for a minute, lets the like lets uh, Zadorsky catch up, yeah. and then she continues the run. So she doesn't actually run backwards. She mm-hmm. kind of runs laterally. She just slows up. She just slows up. So a little it lets bit. Zadorsky yeah. get the other side of yeah. it a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Okay. And. Oh. And it's it's really, really clever because, again, it then thinks, makes Zdorsky think, oh, she's offside. I don't need to worry about it. She also kind of makes herself seem like she's not a threat. But because she downshifts and slows down, lets the line catch up with her, now she's in a very strong position to then be able to run on a through ball and finish it one time, which is exactly what she does. Okay. And the keeper, Labe, mm-hmm. comes off the line, um, meets uh, Blackstinius yep. as she's hitting the shot. I, I think Labe does a really good job of getting off a line fast, getting there, getting down. Uh, but maybe she goes down the wrong way. It seemed, I think she thought maybe because uh, who I think it is it ends up being uh, Zadorsky who is able to almost put a play on it. I think it, in the end it actually comes off her foot, but oh, yeah, it's already yeah. on goal. Blackstenius is trying to like slide it to yeah. uh, Blackstenius's left, and I think it like Zadorsky it deflects off her foot and goes in, but it was on target anyway, so it's not an own goal. Yeah. yeah. But if I had to guess, I would think that maybe Labe thought, okay, but Zadorsky has made a good enough play that sh- that it forces Blackstenius into taking a touch wide to try to like get away, and then she's going to shoot. So I, I think Labe takes just a slightly wider than she needs to approach and she ends up almost diving past the ball as the ball goes back across her and into the goal so it's it's maybe 
Like so that's um, why that side is open, maybe yeah. the best Indies was aiming for. But it's also it's it's also harsh to say Labe does really anything wrong because she's basically one on one in a breakaway situation when all she can do is kind of run across and and kind of fly into it. And that's because it's such a perfect ball from Aslani because it's yeah. it seems it's that kind of baiting ball of oh it's gonna go it looks for for all the world even watching it again it looks like it's just gonna go straight to the goalkeeper yeah, and then it I just bends back and it's the arc on it's it an that Im- impossible yeah it is well done it, <laughs> did you have it, that toy. Uh, no. What's oh, this? so we had this toy. Maybe it was just in England. You should have just said that it was a thing you made up, and I would have been like, well played, oh, sir. It was called the Impossible, mm. and it was, yeah, you know, it just looked like a rubber ball that you would play with, but it was, I think it was just, I think it was a really simple thing where it was just weighted to yep. one side. Okay. So anytime you tried to roll it in a straight line, it would like go, you know, it would start wiggling and all over the place and zigzag all over Were the place. you born in the 1910s? I mean, I was born a few years earlier than you. Maybe. <laughs> What's happened? Did so you also we, have ball in a cup? We and, had we had impossible and a rolling and, thing that you'd get with a stick and keep hoop it going. Hoop and stick, yeah. Okay. Hoop and stick. stick. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Now, now I genuinely am starting to wonder if you grew up in like Peaky Blinders, Birmingham, is what I'm hearing from you, basically. <laughs> oh yeah, we also were slashing each other. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Is that why you still wear your uh, your page boy cap? Just, Just in, in case? case. All right, cool. Just in case. Yeah. And I'm now slightly more afraid of you than I was. <laughs> good. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted. Um, all right, so we're not blaming yeah. Canadian goalkeepers. No. We're crediting Swedish attackers. We are, but I feel like it's telling that you maybe started this out by saying that Becky is involved with the the bad lateral pass that gets intercepted because yeah. she's also involved in the missing the penalty in, the, in missing the penalty yeah oh, I was going to try to find a slightly more gentle way to put that Daryl smash right through and I, I mean, like it that's yeah. kind of what happened uh-huh. right do well, we need to she about, didn't smash right through I think oh, is the problem do we need to talk about how this penalty was won or is it such an obvious handball I mean there's I, no need no, to no I think there was much debate about this one uh, it's, was it's, there really yeah the, oh yeah uh, there, there was there was some debate about like like the distance uh, Aslani is from the shot being taken by Scott that maybe she couldn't have reacted to it that maybe it wasn't in that and not of a position all of these things yeah. in my mind the arm is out enough that it blocks the ball and she's far enough away she's not I right so. next to her yeah. yeah and I think I mean if nothing else she is kind of throwing her body at the ball because she's tra- there are three different Swedish players trying to close down this volley from Scott before it can happen. Oh, this is like, yeah, after Sinclair's like nodded ahead yeah. back from a corner. And, and I almost, yeah. I think of it similar almost to the yellow card that Megan Rapinoe gets for the US because even though maybe she doesn't make a lot of contact, even though she doesn't mean to hit the, the player when she's kind of cutting back, it's still the equivalent to me of like if her legs were out of control and she went into a challenge and she kicked a person. Yeah. If you're running with your arms out and you hit somebody, it's still your fault. And here I think because Aslani's trying to make a dramatic play to make a block, she does so by kind of her hands naturally moving into an unnatural position. Yeah, yeah. And then it's always going to be a penalty. Outside of the natural silhouette, mm-hmm. I believe, is the phrase. Yes. Um, also worth noting, she would have got away with it. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for she that. She those hands behind the back. Because after it hits her, she yep. tucks the hands around the back. Mm-hmm. Referee doesn't call this, right? Mm-mm. Referee does nope. not call this. She gets... Um, Looks at the, the TV screen twice, in fact. Yeah, I think she was checking for something else. I think she was thinking maybe, maybe Christine Sinclair shoved somebody in the build-up is maybe what she oh, was looking at. Oh, she went at. back just to double-check yeah. that again. Yeah, but so th- essentially, this is something that Aslani would have got away with if VAR wasn't sort of double-checking everything. Yeah. I think it's proof now that you cannot get away with those sneaky things where you handball it, put your hands behind the back and pretend it never happened. Yeah. That used to be enough to get away with a handball. It did. It, it has made me wonder if we've seen fewer uh, red cards at this tournament because players know they kind of can't get away with that stuff. That it will mm. be seen, it will be checked, they can go back and find footage. And so you can't have any of those little like stepping on the forward when the referee's not looking yeah. because they're going to go down and hold their foot and the video will show that it happened. I'm going to put you on the spot because uh-huh. I don't know the answer. Have we had a straight red? Two. No, we have. No, I don't know if we have. Oh, yeah, we had the one for Australia. Uh, yes, Kennedy, Kennedy pulling down last defender. Dog dog so. So. Yeah, okay. that's it. Yes. The other, the other one I can think of was two yellows, right? Yeah, Cameroon yeah. was two yellows. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Okay, 
I'm I'm very impressed with your knowledge. I try. You've been reading FBref.com. I, I may have, I may have forgotten some things. Yes, I have. We'll see. We'll see if there have been other ones, but I think that's it. So Canada win the penalty kick. Yep. Christine Sinclair mm-hmm. in what may be her last World Cup game. Yep. Maybe. That was the conversation. Right? I don't mm-hmm. know if she's announced that she's retiring or anything like that, but we're just assuming that yeah. four years is a long time to the next World Cup, right? Indeed. Um, does not take it. She does not. Why does Christine Sinclair does not do, – why does not – why doesn't she take it? You got there, actually. You did. You did. I'm not going to make fun of you. It's been established you have a razor blade in your hat, so we're going to leave that alone. Uh, I believe what I heard her say, I haven't actually gone back and like read all the uh, post-match comments from this one, but I believe Christine Sinclair said it was hers to take, but she took one uh, when Canada— I'm assuming she can do whatever she wants in terms of taking penalties on the Canadian national team. I think she can do whatever she wants on the the national team, regardless of wherever the ball is. Uh Uh, But I think in the third-place game of the All-Garlf Cup, it was a penalty shootout between— Canada and Sweden. It was, what, in like March 2019. I believe Christine Sinclair missed her penalty in that shootout. And so, or at least in that game. Against this keeper? Uh, Yes, I believe so. And and it was saved. Not just missed it, but it was saved. And so I think she thought, again, if you start playing the mind games, if you start thinking about it and you think, I don't know, maybe she knows me, maybe she's got me figured out, somebody else take it. And so she ends up passing the ball. Um, I don't know if it was a predetermined thing that it would then be Becky taking it or if it was just sort of Becky said, yeah, I want it. But it ended up being Becky because I think Christine Sinclair didn't want it. So it turns out the commentary team were wrong. Mm-hmm. And this game wasn't all about Christine Sinclair chasing Abby Wambach and chasing 183 goals. Mm-hmm. It was about Christine Sinclair wanting to get through to the next round of yep. the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Who could have possibly known that that was the case? <laughs> Narrative. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, and, and maybe, and with that in mind, it may well have been that, like, like, Becky just said, like, no, I'm taking this. And then Christine Sinclair is such the, like ultimate leader that she chose to throw herself under the bus. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if that's the case or not, yeah. but Christine Sinclair definitely said, or it seemed to indicate that it was her choice and she let made Becky it take to it. let somebody else take it. Yep. And Becky took it, mm-hmm. and Becky had it saved by Lindahl. Yes. And I think this is a sort of almost example of what Megan Rapinoe did. It's a, it's a sort of like she did one part of the two-part, or of the three-part plan. Because it was obvious where she was yep. going, mm-hmm. much like Rapinoe, yep. Rapinoe, excuse me. Yeah. But somehow it didn't get there. I guess she did two-thirds of it because she picked a side. She stuck with the side. She just didn't hit it that hard, and that's kind of the issue. And she also maybe didn't hit it far enough to the side. So she ends up putting it sort of with the instep. And I think she – I do think the way she approaches this ball, she makes clear which direction she's going. So I think that that gives Lindahl a little bit of an advantage there. I think it's clear that she's kind of closing her hips, which means aiming sort of back across herself into the left side if you're the taker. But as we've established earlier, Mm -hmm. if you do this in your Rapino, you can make it clear where you're going and just be really confident that I'm going to put it there very firmly and it's going to go there. And and the key Beyond the reach of the keeper. The key difference I would say here is that uh, I believe I'm correct in saying that Megan Rapino puts her laces through that ball. She doesn't like, you can see the ball kind of skipping on the ground it's not like she just lasers it into the back of the net but putting your laces through it is putting your laces through it it means no bend right it it goes arrows right yep and it also is easier to keep low with power behind it whereas if you're instepping it i feel like you're kind of naturally going to put a little bit little bit of lift on it and that's what happens here becky puts lift on on it it, and insteps it and bends it and that's going to slow it down even more and because it is then up in the air as opposed to on the ground it is that much more savable because the goalkeeper in the kind of natural dive is going to cover that part of the goal as opposed to the floor do we also give Lindahl credit for being one of the first keepers to figure out how to deal with this uh, you-can't-come-off-your-line business at the World Cup? I certainly do. I know Schneider had one for Jamaica, right? But yes. that, that was kind of before the whole controversy started. That mm-hmm. was just a regular penalty save. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's penalty And save. also not on the knockout round to preserve a 1-0 win. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 
It's a great it's a great save because she's at full stretch across there. So it is sort of everything you want from a goalkeeper perspective on the poster of the save. Yeah, it's right. all the boxes. I could are see ticked. this on a poster. Yep. I could see this on a Swedish poster. Because it also then I think it's because of the, <laughs> the force. billboard, maybe. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there should be a giant billboard yeah. of this. Um, it does have the dimensions. Uh, uh-huh. But she's able to I think because there is still some force behind the ball, but it's also the save and turning it behind for the corner, so then you can stand up and celebrate with your teammates without yeah. being terrified. That the ball is still in play. <laughs> she also does a smart thing of, like, keepers have been weird about, or they've been thinking, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I'll start behind the line, then I can yeah. start a run-up. Lindahl seems to have one foot behind the line, but her toes touching the yep. line, and then one foot goes forward before she makes the initial dive, mm-hmm. right? So she can take the step forward, knowing that she's sort of briefly, not fully, but briefly anchored her left foot so it's touching the line, and she knows she's not going to get caught out. Mm-hmm. Is that and, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sure. <laughs> because that's what happens. So, yes, I yeah. think you're right. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else to add on this game? Maybe we should briefly talk about Canada's uh, late assault, which resulted in a lot of just wild shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of balls into Sinclair that either Sinclair would head wide or Sinclair would knock down or Sinclair would not win. Yeah. And like a, a Swedish player would head it back to mm-hmm. Canadian players who swarmed on the outside of the box. And then I thought there were just like panicky shots where shots would just be high and wide and really bad choices from mm-hmm. a panicky Canada. Yeah, you could see that the the closer we got to 90 minutes or however many there ended up being in the end, I think 99 or something like that because there's almost another VAR check at the very end of this game. Uh, but there but wasn't, right? So we're not going to talk about that. There was not, and yeah. we're not. Uh, <laughs> but it, it did feel like as we got closer, the – more often, the Canadian players were willing to shoot from whatever possible angle there was. Weird wide angles yeah, from and, distance. And, yeah. it, and it didn't seem like it was going to come off. And I would also argue that Canada, they weren't fortunate because it was the correct call, but they very well could have been 2-0 down because there is a penalty shout in the 81st minute. Ashley Lawrence absolutely like wraps both legs around Rolfo in the box, prevents her from moving, would, was given as a penalty, would have been a penalty, except that uh, VER showed that the ball into the box that led to that uh, was, I think the player was maybe one foot off, maybe six oh, inches offside. This. They had to do the, um, you know it's close when VR has to do the red and the blue lines. And it's very tight. It almost looks purple. Yeah. yeah that's what this one was. <laughs> so like it would have been maybe been more almost drama. Almost purple is almost onside. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but not enough. Yeah. So again, technically correct call. But in that moment, it was like, oof, that feels harsh. But it allows the game to at least have a little bit of drama all the way through. So there's that. I doubt Canadians will take much solace in that, however. I mean, it's not as good as going through to the next round. It's it? not. So Sweden are through. Mm-hmm. The US are through. Do you know who Sweden plays in the next round? I've got Germany. The, uh, I've got the bracket here. I was going to quiz you. Mm-hmm. You're really on the ball today. I mean, that, that's the only one I know. Outside, I mean, <laughs> USA plays France. I know that much. Haha, <laughs> in your face, Daryl. So Germany, Sweden is Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. We are really getting to the sort of... Good teams versus good teams stage of the yes. stage of the tournament. Right? We certainly are. Uh, tomorrow's games, mm-hmm. uh, we have more round of sixteen games. We have Netherlands Japan mm-hmm. um, at three o'clock, and I'm doing this reverse chronological order. I, I had noticed, um, and Italy China um, at noon. Yep. All right. So we'll obviously be back to cover those games, mm-hmm. the final round of sixteen games. Yeah, we have a lot going on tomorrow. There's going to be some Copa America coverage. There's going to be some El Tri coverage if all goes to plan. El Tri coverage. Yeah, and then also some USA Panama. Maybe a look ahead preview. Yep. Then, that game's uh, Wednesday night, right? Yeah, and then the Women's World Cup knockout round games for tomorrow as well. Big day. Big day to, on Tuesday. So no shortage of content on the Total Soccer Nuh-uh. Show. But also no shortage of scouting reports. Yes. We've got many, 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 many we scouting do. reports coming in. Because we haven't caught up in a while, right? I do mm-hmm. want to quickly just mention this 
Scouting Network. If you're new to the Total Soccer Show, this is one of the ways we support the show. We ask you to go to totalsoccershow.com slash join. There you can take a voluntary subscription where you sort of financially support us each month with a small amount of your, of your choosing, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Um, when you join at any level, we make you a member of the Total Soccer Show Scouting Network and we will give you a young player to keep an eye on, send us reports, and then we read those reports in the Scouting Network segment of the show. Well done. Sound Succinct. Accurate? It was pretty. It was well done. It could have been shorter. I'll work on it. Uh, I have faith in you. <laughs> uh, first report comes yeah. from Jeff and Sam Huffman scouting Mukwele Akele, the 22-year-old American midfielder for Villarreal B. After a steady season with lots of playing time at Villarreal B, Mukwele was called up by Jason Christ to the USU Under-23 training camp. He was the only European-based player uh, called into that camp. Scott Glack is scouting George Acosta, the 19-year-old American midfielder for unattached FC Mm -hmm. which I don't think is a real team Scott says Acosta was called into that U23 summer camp interestingly he's listed as unattached in that call-up roster rather than being with Boca Juniors which is where he was he's been with Boca in Argentina for 14 months with one of their youth teams and very recently their reserve team Mm -hmm. is this maybe a contract situation it might be as opposed to a we've released you situation let's hope so I'm going to hope for a new contract over that yeah for sure unless maybe it's like he's gotten maybe he's moving to Barcelona and we'll just find that out (laughs) to the first team no less Uh, Francisco, Francisco uh, Sarmiento scouting Danny Leva, 16-year-old American midfielder for Seattle. An exciting day for all Leva fans. Danny started and played the full 90 in round four of the U.S. Open Cup against the Portland Timbers. Leva played as a number six, and coach Brian uh, Schmetzer seemed very happy with his performance. This is a big progress for Leva mm-hmm. because he recently signed that homegrown player contract, yep. and now he's already made his senior team debut. Doing all right. All right, Danny Leva. Not bad for a 16-year-old. Edward Ritter is scouting Ben Mines, the 19-year-old American attacker for the New York Red Bulls. Ed says, Ben returned from Yet another injury to get 20 minutes off the bench in New York Red Bull 2's 1-0 win over Louisville. Pronunciation okay? Mm-hmm. Um, after putting his first two crosses behind... Not bad. Mm-hmm. First two crosses behind the goal, Ben's pressure in the 83rd minute forced a turnover and got the assist for the game-winning goal. Well done, Ben Mines. And well done you. I like your, I like your pronunciation. I'll give it to you. Guy Yedweb scouting Serge Gnabry, 23-year-old German wide forward for Bayern Munich. Uh, Gnabry started in both of Germany's Euro qualifiers, contributing two goals in Germany's 8-0 win over Estonia. A German team that last year was often impotent in front of bunkered opposition is greatly helped by how Gnabry combines well with Leroy Sané and draws defenses to the opposite wing. He returned from the international break to be named Bayern Munich's player of the season for the 2018-2019 campaign, which was his first season not out on loan. Player of the season. Um, all right. That is, that's a big honor. That's a big shout. Well done, Serge Gnabry. Well done, Guy Yedweb, I think, for scouting him the whole way. I feel like it was yep. a lot of guys' role that ha- made uh, Serge Gnabry possible. <laughs> also, if the German team needs help, forhims.com slash total soccer. Um, Todd Ito is scouting Takafusa Kubo. Tadito scouting Takafusa Kubo, the 18-year-old Japanese attacker for ellipses. It's official, says Tad. Takafusa Kubo is a Real Madrid player. His situation will be similar to those of Martin Odegaard and Vinicius Jr. None of those have worked out. Where Kubo will train with... some fairly different situations, I feel like. Okay. Kubo will train with the first team and play with Real Madrid Castilla in the Segunda División. It's been reported that Madrid will pay 2 million euros to FC Tokyo and that Kubo has signed a five-year contract worth 1 million euros per year. Kubo then started in Japan's 4-0 loss to Chile in the Copa America. This is a young Japan squad that will likely be the Japanese team for Tokyo 2020. That's the Olympics. I assume they automatically qualify. Um, So it's missing many of the regular first-teamers. Even an 
Olympic qualified player like Ritsu Doan. So they actually look pretty good against what is more or less Chile's first team. The scoreline is a little misleading and could have been closer to 2 3. Mm-hmm. All right. So well done, Takafusa Kubo, if not Japan. Uh, Matthew <laughs> MacArthur scouting daily Sinkraven, the 23 year old Dutch left back for Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Sinkraven has moved to Leverkusen for 5 million euros with a contract through 2023. He will be reunited with his former Ajax coach, Peter Bosch, who first moved him uh, from attack to defense back in the 2016 2017 season at Ajax. Thank you, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Ryan Downey is scouting Zion Jones. Zion Jones? Ryan Downey is scouting Zion Jones, the 18 year old American forward for the Charlotte Independence. We uh, settled on Zion, right? I, think, I believe we did, yes. So Ryan Downey is scouting Zion Jones. After what seemed like a promising start, Jones failed to make an appearance in this weekend's match against Birmingham Legion for the Charlotte Independence. Jones has looked dangerous going forward but can't seem to find that finishing touch, and it doesn't help that the Independence got their most convincing win of the season against Birmingham. I guess without him. Uh, yeah. We, we'll see how it goes. But I, I have faith. I have faith in Zion Jones. Uh, I have faith in Jonathan Failer, who has stuck with Tommy Redding, who's a 22-year-old, and that's about all we can say. After being released by the Red Bulls last season, there has been no news of uh, Redding joining any team or planning to join a team. So it seems Tommy Redding has maybe had an early retirement, says Jonathan, who also uh, wonders if maybe he can get a new player to scout. If Tommy Redding is retired, then absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say maybe even if, even he, if hasn't, he hasn't, yes. This Tommy Redding thing's interesting. Do you remember he was like one of the... Orlando had a bad season, mm-hmm. but Redding was like, okay, but this centre-back's pretty good. He's an up-and-comer. Yeah. Red Bull's picked him up. Everyone was like, oh, this is great. Uh-huh. And now this. And now this. And now this. Oh. All right, Jonathan, please email me, uh, Daryl, D-I-R-Y-L. kickers get him on that plane? Maybe. I mean, we have plenty of centre-backs, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, please email me, Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L, at TotalSoxShow.com. Send me a reminder that you would like a new player, and we will make that happen. Richmond Kickers get Zion Jones on a plane? That could work. Okay, there we go. That could mm-hmm. work. I, a train maybe would be cheaper. Probably. Um, Mike Phelan is scouting. USL, USL League One, right? Yeah. Um, Mike Phelan is scouting Hannes Wolf, the 20-year-old Austrian midfielder for RB Leipzig. Uh, Mike Phelan says, a good news slash horrifying news day for Hannes, mm-hmm. who started, so far so good, played 77 it, minutes. It gets bad. So far so good. And scored the first ever goal for Austria in the under-21 Euros in their 2-0 victory over Serbia's under-21s. Things took a turn for the terrible in the second half on what was generally described on Twitter as a horror tackle and was described by me, Mike Freeland, as dear God, legs, ankles are not supposed to bend that way or dangle like that. And Hannes was stretched off. The Serbian defender got a red card, but that is small consolation as Hannes will be out for an extended period of time and likely miss what would have been his first season in the Bundesliga. Oh, I feel bad for Hannes Wolf. As do I. And his ankle slash uh, leg. So hopefully he gets better. Final report comes from Jim Brochar, scouting Jonathan Klinsman, 20-year-old American goalkeeper for, <laughs> this one looks very short. for St. Gallen, I guess. Uh, the report is simply Jonathan Klinsman has signed for Swiss club St. Gallen. I like it. It's to the point. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. As do I. Um, thank you, everybody, for mm. the scouting reports today. Again, if you'd like to join, it's totalsoccershow.com slash join. Taylor, we've gone along again. This World Cup, this World Cup is taking a toll on our time. Oh man, it's hilarious! I wish we could. We're both record. smiling. So I it's wish good, right? I wish we could record us saying how long we think the show will be yeah. and how hilariously we wrong are we we are wrong every time. Also, talking. can I ask you? Do you have these conversations with your wife when she's like, "What time do you think you'll be home?" And I calculate it she, out. She doesn't ask anymore. I always really try and calculate it out and say, "I think it's going to be about nine thirty. Mm-hmm. It's ten thirty-five right now in the yeah. office. Yeah, I was going to say, and she, and she always says. 
all right, I'll see you whenever I see you. Yeah. yeah she I, knows that Total Sock Show takes longer than um, it should. Yes. My, my wife is also studying for the bar, as I've said, I think, several times, uh, all day, every day. So she also wakes up at like 6.30 or 6 to start <sighs> studying. So it's usually a like, are you going to be home pre-bed or post-bed? Because <laughs> she's going to bed on time and yeah, yeah. I am not. Ooh, bonus for you. Do you get coffee already made in the morning? No. She drinks it all. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, of course. Come Absolutely on. brilliant. Yeah. Um, all right. I think now's a good and time I to can't falter. We got French breasts, so she, you know, she puts the effort oh, in. Oh, so she there's gets not like, it. oh, because mm. we've got a machine that's like six, seven cups. All oh, right. aren't you fancy? We definitely have gone off topic. What? Let's close We never up the, do that at the end of shows. <laughs> let's close up the show. And I'll say, Come Taylor on. Rockwell. Let's make it two hours. Thank you. Don't tempt me. For <laughs> taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our U.S. Women's National Team coverage. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. 